Well, thank you for tuning in. Those just now tuning in to our Bible study, we're grateful that you come so faithfully every uh, Wednesday night to your TV or your computer or however you view this. Thank you for doing that or whenever you view it. And then the, the folks that are so faithful here in the, in the sanctuary tonight, I am indeed grateful. Take your Bibles and let's go to the fruit of the Spirit. You tell me, where is the fruit of the Spirit found? What chapter and verse and book? Galatians, yes, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Galatians chapter 5, we've been there repeatedly, and we're almost to the end of this study, we've got tonight's study, and then next Wednesday night, uh, we will conclude the study of the fruit of the Spirit. Tonight we look at Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 23, and let me just read the verse, well let's read both verses together, or follow along, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So tonight we want to look at the fruit of gentleness. The fruit of gentleness. And I want to ask you this question. Look up here for a moment. When you see this word, or when you hear the word gentleness... What comes to your mind? How would you describe gentleness? Caring, all right. What else? Considerate. Any other words you would use? Huh? Okay. Did you say being discreet? Mild, mild-mannered, yes, absolutely. Slow to anger, absolutely. This eighth quality of the fruit of the Spirit is in some ways... Now, now make sure you hear this carefully, alright? Make sure you don't just get shocked by what I'm, what I'm about to say and then miss what I, what I say afterwards. But this eighth quality of the fruit of the Spirit is in some ways the least appealing to a lot of people. Gentleness. Here's what I mean by that. If you're a type A personality, gentleness is not normally on your radar. Right? I, I, I see, here's some chuckling. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> a, a type A personality is generally ambitious, aggressive, highly competitive, impatient, preoccupied with his or her agenda, kind of tightly wound, you know, wound up tight. For type A people, now again, be careful how, I mean, listen carefully. For type A people, gentleness is probably almost considered a weakness. Because that's not what they normally are. I remember a lady in, in the church I previously pastored, and I'm certainly not going to call her by name. I doubt that she's watching online, but you never know these days. Uh, but I remember a lady, and I still consider her a friend and would say this if she were here. Uh, but I remember a lady years ago who let me know quite clearly one day, in her own words, she said, I am not the meek and mild type. And she said it quite forcefully. Keith, I am not the meek and the mild type. Now, of course, she didn't have to tell me that. I already knew that. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. Uh, she was a lady and is a lady 
who was tough and opinionated and outspoken and sometimes hot-tempered. Now, she loves the Lord. She's a good lady. She's served in her church for many, many years. But, but she had no interest in gentleness. That's not on her radar at all. She, she's, she made it quite clear she's not the meek and mild type, and she had no intention of changing. Quite frankly, gentleness doesn't appeal to a lot of people. I mean, if you're in sales, or if, you're, if you coach a ball team, or if you own your own company, you don't get ahead by being gentle. You've got to be driven, right? Not to mention the fact that, can I just say it this? Man, somebody give me an amen here. Can I just say it this way? Gentleness doesn't sound very manly to me, Right? I mean, I grew up in East Tennessee, so I just got to say it like it is. Gentleness is not something that sounds like a very manly quality. And yet, there it is. There it is in Scripture. When the Spirit of God has liberty in our lives, one of the fruit of the Spirit of God having liberty in our lives will be gentleness. So the eighth quality of the fruit of the Spirit is in some ways the least appealing. Yet, listen to this, in the world in which we live, it may be one of the most needed fruits of the Spirit right now. I hope you heard that. In the world in which we live, the fruit of gentleness might be one of the most needed. I told you last week that the study last week was probably the most fascinating study that I had done in in all the fruits of the Spirit. I think tonight's study, for me personally, is probably the most fun study I've done in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I've just found it kind of fun to dig in and and to see the different sides of gentleness. So maybe I hope you will enjoy it as well and benefit from it. Uh, So we need to kind of dig into this word gentleness uh, because it's a character trait that the Heavenly Father would like to produce in your life and in mind. This, this is more than just a theory. This is a character trait that the Heavenly Father wants to produce in your life and mind. So whether you are loud or quiet, male or female, powerful or powerless, every disciple of Jesus should have the quality or the character trait of gentleness. But the question is, what exactly does that mean? And this is where it gets a little bit fun, I think. Let's just walk through Scripture for a little bit tonight. Now, I want you to notice Paul talks about gentleness in chapter 5, verse 23. And he uses the word again just four verses later. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is called in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. It's the same basic Greek word as gentleness. It's from the same word He says, but if someone's called in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So when you study the life of Paul, it's interesting what you find. Here in chapter 5 verse 23, he talks about now, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And then he goes on four verses later to say, let me tell you something. If you catch a brother in sin, restore him gently. And so if that's all that we knew, about Paul, and if that's all that we knew about Galatians, we would think, okay, Paul must be mild and, and calm and very courteous. 
But this is just part of the book of Galatians. When you look at the life of Paul, there's a combination of a man who is both rough and gentle. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Well, I'll tell you what, to get the whole context, I'm going to start in verse 6, but I want to focus on verses 8 and 9. But to get the whole context, let's start in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That, that was the problem there in the churches of Galatia. They were turning away from the gospel of grace. And Paul said, I'm astonished that you're turning away from that. Verse 7, which really is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now watch verse 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Does that sound very gentle to you? Does it to me? Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, Paul is confronting the apostle Peter. He speaks face to face with him. Chapter 2, verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Again, doesn't sound like gentle as we would understand it. It doesn't sound like a man who is calm and courteous and kind and all of those kind of things. He said, listen, when Peter wasn't doing right, I, I, I stood up and got in his face. I got up in his face because he was withdrawing from the Gentiles who did not follow the Jewish laws. And so, so Paul says, so when I found him, I got up in his face and I told him what was right and I told him what was wrong. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Let's just start reading verses. Uh, starting verse 1, we'll read the first three verses. You foolish Galatians. That's not very courteous. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Basically, two times in this text, Paul is referring to these people as being bewitched and fools. As you continue to read chapter or through Galatians, we don't have time to read this whole text, but if you're taking notes, Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 20, Paul is very tender in his writing as he addresses the congregation. And again, in chapter 5, verses 7 through 10, let me give you an example of that. We, we do have time to read that. Chapter 5, Paul had his tender moments. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That, that kind of persuasion does not come from one 
who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Paul, Paul is, is a little bit more tender here. He's not, he's not fussing at them, but he said, I'm confident that God's going to work this out. Then we, we come to chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Look what he says. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That is not very gentle. So, everybody look up here for a minute. Let me tell you something. If you were reading the first five chapters of Galatians, or the first four and a half chapters of Galatians, if you got to chapter 5 and you read the half of chapter 5, you, you, you're reading through this letter, and all the way through the first half, uh, chapters 1 through chapter 5, it's like, man, Paul is just, he's just cutting them. He's just telling them like it is. He's just, he said, I got up in Peter's face. And, and, and then, as you're reading through this letter, where again and again and again, Paul seems to be speaking harshly almost. Then he says in chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And in chapter 6, verse 1, brothers, if, you, if someone is called in sin, restore him gently. So, how do we make sense of this? Here's a man who is a, a, a godly man, one of the greatest preachers this world has ever known, one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known. And yet, here's a man who at one time is speaking about the fruit of the Spirit and gentleness and restoring a sinner gently, and yet we see him being very confrontational in the other half of the letter. I just want you to keep this in mind. When you're reading through Galatians and you see Paul being confrontational, drawing a line, taking a stand, speaking harshly, it was never Paul... A just being angry and aggravated. It was always Paul taking a stand for the truth. It's always Paul drawing a line and saying, we don't compromise, we need to make sure that you get your doctrine right. It's always Paul taking a stand for the truth. But when you come to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and Paul is saying, now if you catch your brother in sin, restore him gently. It's interesting when it comes to sin, Paul is saying, listen, you need the fruit of the Spirit there. You need to be gentle with that person who has who strayed away from the Lord. But when it comes to the aspect of sin and sinners and grace and redeeming someone, Paul says it, it's gentleness. But when you're talking about... Uh, you're talking about the law and protecting doctrine and those kind of things, Paul draws a hard line. Now, just put that to the side for a moment. We'll come back to it. What about Jesus? We're talking about the spirit of gentleness. And this, uh, look at this verse up here again. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So what about Jesus? Did he have a spirit of gentleness? It might surprise you to find out that the gentleness in Jesus was a lot like Paul. Or maybe I should say the gentleness in Paul was a lot like Jesus. Look in Matthew chapter 21. 
Matthew chapter 21. Gospel of Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them. and He will send them right away. Now, let me pause there for a second. I learned something. I, I know I've, I know somebody's told me this earlier, but we were talking in the office this week, and I, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I've heard this somewhere along the way, but I was reminded of it this week. Did you know that on the donkey, on almost all donkeys, there's a cross on the back of the donkey? Did you know that? I had to look it up just to be sure. I thought, no, nah, I don't know about that. But it's true, it's true. Just I'm not going to charge you extra for that one, but I just thought you might... I thought about it as I was reading that, so, so the Lord gets this donkey and he's going to be riding into Jerusalem. Now, look what it says in verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And here's what the prophet said. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you. What's that next word? Gentle. And riding on a donkey, on a colt. Full of a donkey. He, he, he's coming to you not on a war horse. Your king is not coming as a military conqueror. He is not riding into, into town, into Jerusalem on a war horse. He's coming on a donkey. He's coming, as the Bible says, gentle. Riding on a donkey. Now, what's so interesting about that that's how he came into town. You ever notice what he did right after he got into town? Look in chapter 21. Same chapter. Same chapter. Just go down a few verses to verse, uh, uh, verse 12. Same chapter. Just go down to verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. So he rides into town on a donkey, and he's described as gentle. And as soon as he gets into town, he goes to the temple, and he starts turning over tables. And fussing at the people, saying, you've turned God's house into a, a den of robbers. I think that's fascinating. Though he is called gentle, it doesn't look like he's acting very gentle. Now, if you really want to see this in play, go over to chapter 23 of Matthew. Chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea and win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. 
Woe to you blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, look at this. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And then he goes on to to describe them over and over and over again. Like in verse 27, he calls them whitewashed tombs. Uh, And he goes on in verse 33. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? And yet, and yet, that was the same one who rode into Jerusalem gentle. So, what do we learn from this? The best way I can sum, summarize it to you is this, and I, I think I would, I would just say to you that gentleness, this, this idea of being gentle, gentleness is entirely compatible. Now, please, please hear this correctly. Gentleness is entirely compatible with blunt language and direct action. If you look at Paul, that's exact. Paul spoke with blunt language and he took direct action. And if you look at Jesus, he spoke bluntly and he took action. There, gentleness and direct language and blunt action are not incompatible. So am I giving you permission to just go chew out somebody tomorrow and feel spiritual about it? No. No. Here's what I would say to you. I would say to you that it's not about being you being self-assertive. It's, it's, it's about you caring for others. You know why Jesus was so blunt and took action? Because He cared for those who were being deceived. Do you know why Paul in Galatians was so blunt and he took action? He, took, he cared about those who were being deceived. So far as I know, there's not a place in the Bible uh, where Paul or Jesus ever got upset and got ticked off at somebody just because somebody did something against them and ticked them off. You know, that's we get ticked off like that. We chew people out because we get mad and we get impatient. We chew people out because they did something we don't think they ought to do. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about in Paul and in Jesus was that they were blunt sometimes. They took action sometimes because the truth, the truth either being denied, destroyed, or people were being deceived. But when it came to sin, Paul says, if you catch somebody in sin, you restore him gently. So, what what does all this mean? Well, go to Matthew chapter 11. I, I just want to make the case, because I don't want you to leave here mistaken. I want to make the case that you can be both. Matthew chapter 11.
verses 28 through 30. Come to me. All, this is Jesus speaking. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle. And humble. In heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus himself referred to himself as gentle. And if Jesus describes himself as gentle, that is exactly what he was. So here's, let me put this on the screen. The question is not how strong we are. The question is how we use our strength. Jesus was the strongest of anyone. And yet he used his strength to protect righteousness. Paul the same way. So in order to kind of grab a hold of this. And I'm about to run out of time. I, let's just do real quickly. Let's just do a little bit of a word study. And maybe the fogginess will clear a little bit for us. The Greek word uh, that is gentleness. Preotes. It means dealing with people in a kind manner. This is the word gentle or gentleness. Dealing with people in a kind manner. It's the idea of humility and consideration. That as you respond to people, you respond to people with humility and with consideration. It involves humility and thankfulness towards God and being polite and restrained towards others. Now make sure you hear that, that second half. Humility and thankfulness expressed towards God and being polite and restrained in our behavior towards others. The King James Version, if you were to look at that at the uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the King James Version uses the word uh, meekness. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in, in, um, in Matthew, it uses the word meekness. Gentleness and meekness, it's the same word. It means the right use of power and authority. It is power under control. The basic idea is that gentleness is someone who has power, but it's power under control. So it's power exhibited toward the unrighteousness of people or sometimes it's power under control exhibited towards those who are in sin. But it's a loving response to those who are in sin because it's power under control. I remember Dr. Joel Gregory helping me with this when I was in seminary. This has been 35 years ago. I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a pew, Travis Avenue Baptist Church, and he said something one day in a message and I still remember it 35 years later. And as I thought about that today, I thought, I'd like to be able to say something and know that the folks at Mount Airy remember 35 years later. You know, it's pretty amazing. 35 years ago, uh, 36 years ago, somewhere along in there, Dr. Joe Gregory in a sermon said this. He said, meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. Meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. Gentleness is not weakness. It is power under control. Now question, here's the, here's the gold question. Under the control of who? Under the control of the Holy Spirit. You know why Paul in Galatians, the first four or five chapters of Galatians, you know why Paul could speak so bluntly? He was under the control of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God was using him to show the churches in Galatia where they were being deceived. 
So he spoke bluntly and boldly and clearly that the churches were being deceived in Galatia. But then, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he says in chapter 6, verse 1, but if you see a brother that's in sin, you respond to him with grace and with gentleness. You know why Jesus, when he rode into Jerusalem, when he rode on that donkey, he was described as being meek and gentle, and yet when he got into the city, he started turning over tables? Meekness is not weakness, it is power under control. He was under the control of the Spirit of God as well. And when he saw what was happening in the temple of God, he addressed it bluntly. He addressed it forcefully. He addressed it and was outspoken about it. When he was talking to the Pharisees, I tell you what, if you said what he said to fellow Baptists, you'd get in trouble, right? You brood of vipers, you snakes, you... (laughs) All those kind of things. Here's my point. I'm not trying to give you a license to go out and just tongue lash somebody. I'm saying this. When your spirit is under the control of the Holy Spirit, you will respond to people with gentleness. I hear this as well. When your spirit is under the control of the Holy Spirit, He might use you to point out deception as well. That makes sense? I'm not trying to give you a license just to say, well, you just go pe- give people a piece of your mind. No, that's not what we're talking about. In fact, let me, let me ask you this question. What's the opposite of, of gentleness? Give me some words that would be the opposite of gentleness. What? Harshness. Yeah, being harsh. Give me another one. Hmm? Brutal. What? Yes. Rude, mean, we, we can make a list. See if these words sound like the fruit of the Spirit. Harsh, cruel, rude, mean. Does that sound like the fruit of the Spirit? What does it sound like? Sounds like, to me, the works of the flesh. Prior to the fruit of the Spirit, Paul describes the works of the flesh. When I surrender to the Holy Spirit's control in my life, then my mind, watch this, my mind and my mouth are to be under His control. When I surrender to the Holy Spirit at work in my life, my mind and my mouth are to be under His control. It should be evident by the way that I talk and by the way that I treat others that I know the Lord Jesus and that He lives in me. I want to close. I, I've got so much more, but, but I want to close. I just want you to go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 15. Remember now, I just told you that when I surrender to the Holy Spirit, to His control in my life, then my mind and my mouth are to be transformed. It should be evident in the way that I talk and evident in the way that I treat others. And I think an example of that is Proverbs 15 verse 1. A gentle answer, notice not not just an answer, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. 
I think that verse is an illustration of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Harsh word is, is the works of the flesh. A gentle answer is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's, that's why, and I've used this verse so many times uh, when I'm praying and I'm getting ready to teach, but it's not just for those that are teaching. And, uh, the psalmist said, I think it was David in Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Translation, God, don't let anything come out of my mouth that's not going to honor you. That is, in essence, what gentleness is. The fruit of gentleness. What comes out of my mouth is to honor God. So one more time, because I'm trying to bring a little clarity here, one more time. The things that came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem as He cleansed the temple, as He spoke to the Pharisees, those things were bringing honor to God. Though they were blunt, they were bringing honor to a holy God. The things that Paul said in Galatians, the first four and a half chapters or so, they were blunt, they were direct. But the things that came out of his mouth or came out of his pen, they were bringing honor to God. It was direct, it was blunt, but it was bringing honor to God. In other words, these aren't just words of anger. These aren't just words of frustration. These aren't just words of, I want to hurt you because you've frustrated me and upset me. That's not what we're talking about. That's the work of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit is when the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, bring honor to God. And when I do that, when I live that way, then I'm going to treat people in a gentle way. Alright, let me pray with you before we leave. Father, Tonight, as we have looked at your word, and at sometimes it, as I look at the word, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by what I see, and other times I'm so convicted. And I just pray you help us all to live it out, not just to learn it, not just to read it, not just to study it. And I pray that you'll help us to live it out. And I pray that the Spirit of God would have such freedom in our lives that the Spirit of God would have control over our mind and our mouth. And if we are speaking that which is bold and that which is uh, direct, I pray it will only be to bring honor to you. God, help us when we're dealing with those who are struggling in sin to speak with words of gentleness, words of grace. Words of encouragement. So Lord, we just pray again, very simply, may the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you so much.